It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! That's a shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsenal Editor podcast. Ah, oh, we're all sick of it, aren't we? Um, the memes, the bullying, the social media uh, pressure from absolutely everybody that isn't an Arsenal fan right, right now. They're having a great time. Arsenal haven't won a game. We haven't scored a goal. Um, nobody's talking about our mitigating circumstances, very conveniently. <laughs> oh, so I'm sick to death of it. We're all sick to death of it. It's just having a terrible time moment. We need to start winning. But We've got met with us, who so isn't just sick to death of it. He he went to the game, and now he is actually sick. How are you, how are you feeling, mate? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm feeling pretty rough. Um, I'm not just feeling rough because of Arsenal, but just in myself <laughs> in general. But yeah, no, I I went to the game, and in terms of like the the actual atmosphere and being back at the ground it, it was really really nice and then the football kicked off and it all just went massively downhill from there so um, <laughs> yeah I, I i saw so many people that were like you you'd like people that you you'd you'd see like on twitter and stuff and like uh, people that you know and it, it it was really lovely to be back in a full crowd and the atmosphere what like i said was incredible the, the, the fans were really behind the team but yeah it's just a shame the performance didn't match anything about like the fans yeah no i can imagine well that's that's it's a good place to start the positive right i mean uh i unfortunately didn't get down or anything like that i've um i'm so isolated because hey another positive i'm going on holiday Secondly, though, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be living really close to the stadium. I've got just uh, got myself a flat today that I was going to be overlooking the Emirates Stadium and Highbury, which is very exciting down Frisbee Park. So um, <laughs> I will be marching down every weekend and I'll be soaking up the atmosphere. I'm sure protesting and I'm sure supporting the team as much as I can. Um, so, I mean, look, let's let, let, let's keep going down that fan avenue. I'm keen to know. I mean, what? How was the um, support of the team? Because on the TV, it came across pr- pretty good. And I was, you know, considering the performance, they actually seemed to stick with them all the way to the end. And 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 how did that sort of resonate with how they supported Arteta as well? If if you could, you know, distinguish between between the two. So, so I think the the majority of the fans were backing the team throughout the game i think we started really well we were we um the fans started really well we we backed the team we were booing the chelsea players when they got a touch sort of thing and obviously we could hear the the chelsea fans booing bakayo saka so it made us louder mm. to cheer him and th- there were a couple of fans next to me who w- didn't really speak until things started going wrong and started blaming Arteta and s- sort of mm. thing, which is obviously their opinion. They, they they can do what they want, and it's obviously quite justified with everything that's gone on. Um, but I think in in general, the consensus was that they were actually quite patient and quite back in the team. They they knew that we're not in a good state. They know that this team is not really good. Uh, enough mm. and they're, they're sort of realistic at the moment and yes we made stupid decisions in the game the performance was quite flat i mean you, you the the 
the defending from Mary against Lukaku, which I'm sure we'll get to, was it was it was brutal game and mm. and but the the fans really backed the team and I'm quite proud of that because the performance didn't really deserve it. I I I would you would have been completely justified, I think, if the fans kind of went against the team in the end, but. Uh, because obviously it's up to the team to get the fans on side as well as the fans back in the team as well. It's a bit of both, and but the fans were really back in the team, and uh, it, it was quite nice to see. I think it was all the fans recognised. Look, we're, we're back here. I know we're a bit rubbish, but you know, let's support the team and let's back them till the end. Yeah, yeah, and I think particularly the way we, hey, we didn't set the world light, but the first ten, fifteen. You felt pretty good. I mean, we felt like we were, I actually text, you know, my WhatsApp group, like we seem to be, I don't want to use the word dominating, but we were seem to be holding our own and having a presence in midfield that I just didn't expect. Obviously it, it didn't last. Um, and that became very obvious very quickly. Why? And, and I'm glad the fans managed to stay, stick with it. And I'm sure they will for the first few games of the season. But if this keeps going, um, you know, I'm not sure how long, that will last and the Emirates crowd as we've seen in history really can turn um so with that sort of the beginning of the game and as it panned out at the game I'm glad we've had a couple of extra days to to, to really digest it because you know you, you were sick yesterday we didn't get to record it and actually I've had a couple bit longer to really reflect and there was a lot of individual performances that, that you could have blamed and Murray in particular really didn't seem up to it and and maybe that's true um but you can't really talk about the game without the absentees. And there was like, you know, we're talking um, two centre-backs, two starting centre-backs, a centre midfielder, an attacking midfielder who we've just signed in fairness, and two land landmark strikers. You can argue their form all you want, but a bit of experience up top instead of just teenagers that are leading the line. And, you know, it's it does make a big difference. Having said that, that doesn't forgive how Arteta actually set it up. And to quote yourself from last week, two things really can be true. Like, whilst there is a massive excuse in the sense that we have uh, combined perhaps £250 million worth of player not out on the pitch, out COVID injuries, whatever. The fact that the only worrying thing, like we could have lost 2-0, but just sat back and defended like we probably should have done in a back three, in a set back and just defend formation like we did last season. And the fans would have been almost fine with it, given the excuses. There were mitigating circumstances. But it feels like where Arteta just got this so wrong. And I and I, in fairness, I do think that's something I haven't said that often because that's almost what he's good at. We saw what we saw last season. We beat Chelsea twice doing it last season. Why do you think he with the team that he had available to him? went so attacking and left everything so open and actually just got everything so wrong considering it's the same structure that we saw from Chelsea the last two or even three times we played them. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm not sure because I, I predicted before the game that we would go to a back three and I thought it was the most sensible thing to do. This was obviously before Ben White got in, uh, got confirmed as a COVID case, so he's tested positive for COVID. So this was before he he was out. But even so, you had Callum Chambers on the bench. You had Rob Holding. You had Pablo Mari as well. Now Tierney, who could play left centre back. So there's no real excuse for us not playing the back three. I think he's in this stage now where 
and it was similar to last season actually where uh, the start of last season where he's so insistent on playing the back four which I get because the criticism I had of Emery was that he chops and changed a lot there was mm. no real one system for him but I think what I've sort of learned over since Wenger's left and we've had these two coaches since him is that the, the fundamental thing is not a formation is style of play. And I just don't think that's something we do under Arteta. I think regardless of the formation now, he could have set up in a back three. We could have matched him mm. up. He would have helped us because I mean, I, I don't know how much it came across on the TV, but Reese James had the freedom of that right side. Oh yeah. The whole game. And yeah. And it was just, oh, see, I don't know if that was by, design because yeah. the way Tierney was playing it wasn't like he was going out to him he, he was tucking in to center back so and then Saka wasn't tracking back so and I I don't believe for a second that Bukayo Saka is not someone who doesn't work hard so no. I'm wondering if 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 that was by design but yeah, it, it, it was a weird. It was a he. He's so insistent on that this back four now, which I'm fine with because our best performances under Arteta come in the back four. But for specific games and I guess against the champions of Europe, you need to mm. be willing to adapt. And he just wasn't reactive in any way. Like you could see the the James and Tierney mismatch all game, and he didn't react until mm. very late, until the game was over, basically. Yeah. And there's a couple of things that Arteta is very good at, you know, his coaching um, in particular structure, you could say when he, when he came in, this is the very thing that he was supposed to be good at steadying the ship, making us compact defensively, even though we don't necessarily have the best defenders. I didn't at the time and grinding out results against the kind of teams that, that we faced this weekend. And um, the back four is, is, is very good, but just the one thing he's bad at is, is reacting. I mean, firstly, you can see it in the subs, the subs, it's just take ages to come on, you know, 60, yeah. 70, 80 minutes, really 70 plus minutes is Arteta. Rather. You, you rarely see, um, you know, a, a sub before that. Secondly, how long it took him to realise last season that the back three, ironically, didn't work and had to change it to a back four. Remember when he finally put Emile Smith-Rowe in when we were all calling out for that weeks before? And then if you sort of reverse that, looking at to now, it's like, right, look, mate, you've got a stripped squad and you're about to play the Champions League winners who have just signed a oh, God knows how many millions pound strike striker who is the exact kind of striker that Arsenal historically have hated Diego Costa, like uh, Didier Drogba, just the bullies, the sheer bullies and the power. Like we can't handle them. And it was, um, I thought it was really naive. And for, for, I almost feel like a lot of people are picking on the real wrong reasons why there's a lot of Arteta out at the moment for this, for that. Of course. And, um, and, and I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm sure we'll get into that in a minute. Although, it, but you know, it was just really stupid and we ended up getting bullied and that's just not how you want to lose. And I know you don't want to lose in any way, but a bit of fight, a bit of intelligence. So how are you going to play the champions league winners? Like, come on lads, you know, just, I mean, do you think it was something to do with maybe the fact that it was the first home game, that the fans were back? He kind of gambled on the fact that he could get a buzz and maybe nick a goal early and try something. I mean, which in itself is a bit stupid, but 
you know. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know. Like I think with Arteta, always the game plan for for me under him is always try and win a game by one or two goals. Mm. It's never to try and blow a team away and win three or four. It's it's always very fine margins. We don't. I mean, ironically, we did, we we had the most shots under Arteta last week, which was twenty two, but we we don't take enough shots under him. We abandon central spaces a lot, so mm. uh, I think that will improve when Martin Odegaard comes in. And obviously, like you said at the start of the podcast, you have to understand that we we are missing a lot of players. They will improve us, and this game is probably going to be a write-off if we win other games yeah. later down the line. But currently, th- th- this is obviously what we're anal- analysing. And I think it's just we're, we were very, very poor. And it's just a mismatch. That that Pablo Mari versus Lukaku thing, it mm. will be... It, it, it's the stuff of nightmares. I mean, do you remember when um, Callum Chambers faced Jefferson Montero? Uh, at right back and the, the yeah. amount of like th- that performance was in infamy for years it's still remembered like every time Chambers plays right back I'm pretty sure someone mentions it one way or the other yeah but th- th- this is th- that was that bad of a performance and it's funny because you look at the stats for Pablo Mari and you think oh he- he's had a pretty good performance but anyone who mm. actually watched the game could see he was absolutely terrible and I, I just especially for the first goal like if you look at him. He gets too tight, and then yeah. he gets drawn in by Lukaku, and then just doesn't get back in time. Yeah, it is, and, yeah, it's basic. It's it's so true, and like I, I think one of the things that that was so bad about Murray, and and perhaps the formation as well, um, because in a back four, when you're doing that, it's absolute suicide because you're literally leaving no one behind you. You've got you know one more centre back, and then Tierney's having to come in and. You know, because he's nervous about how you're defending, and he's actually got a cover the turn from tip from um, Lukaku. Now that guess what, Reese James has got an absolute acre to walk it in or pass it to Lukaku and score again. It happens happened a couple of times, and Xhaka um, was nowhere to be seen. Either he was had to tuck in a little bit too far, and then I don't think Saka was supposed to be tracking back. It just leaves gaps wide open on both sides in the end because it was just a formational mismatch and we weren't strong enough to deal with it at the back. And um, look, I'm not saying we would have won it with a back three, um, but you give yourself more of a chance, you know, and it, it don't, we can't kid ourselves. Like it really could have been four or five. It really, really could have been like, we could have had a couple. Sure. Um, but on the point of not enough shots, something I've noticed from Arteta's teams uh, or team <laughs> um, over the past, like couple of years at Arsenal is that he doesn't take enough shots. Sure. But also, when you're coming to the end of a game and you're behind or you're drawing and you are desperate for that one goal, remember the days, I mean, I know Wenger is one example, but used to just pile on the amount of strikers. Alex Ferguson would just bring up. I mean, to be honest, anyone in the league at the moment, they are, you pepper the goal and the other team typically has to really like back to the wall defending to grind it out. Um, And and that happens across the league. I just don't see it with Arteta teams. It never happens. And I kind of half put it down to the fact there was no fans in the stadium uh, maybe there's no one urging them on maybe that's a characteristic or a, or kind of um a byproduct of something the fans give you and it's just energy you don't get and i know we were two nil down but at 80, 85 minutes we stopped but like we didn't even we kind of abandoned the principles from the last 85 minutes and that we didn't even try and get forward we'd like i don't know there was just such a lack of 
belief. And um, I would, I, that, that theme that's carried across from last season is another black mark against Arteta's name, in, in, in my opinion. And um, it's not to say it's not going to not going to improve when we get all our you know players back and perhaps it'll be slightly. I don't know the, 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 because there's so many conflicts in this game upon strategy, upon um, personnel, and there's so many sort of conflicts. It, it was the first time I've really seen an Arteta team completely confused about what they were doing and what they were supposed to be doing. Um, yeah. yeah, like yeah, I I, I just. It's a really difficult game to analyse for me because I think there's so many caveats that you can use for the game uh, about the players missing, about the 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 the, the lack of uh, with COVID that's happened in the side, how much that's disrupted things, all all, the, all these caveats that you could use. But yeah. uh, I, I just, and obviously comparing Chelsea to Arsenal, it's a mismatch. Chelsea Absolutely. are much better than Arsenal. Uh, Chelsea are probably title favourites at the moment if we assume City are not going to sign Harry Kane. Mm. But the, it's it's just the, the things that I saw on Sunday are the exact same things that we see from Arteta's team all the time. And I think we we had a good period after half time. I think I, we were obviously two 0 down. I think we came out in the second half quite well. We were at least chasing for the ball. We were pressing high. Yeah, I, I, you're right. But I, to be honest, mate, I I really put that down to Chelsea kind of letting it happen and just managing the game really well. To be yeah, honest, yeah, they're, 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 that's very true. Because mm. I, I I was sitting with my mate in the ground. And he was like, "Oh yeah, we're, we're playing well. Our goal's coming." And I was like. Yeah, we're, we're pressurising them, but it's not like we're creating any new shots. Like all, all our chances in this game, and to be honest, most of our chances under Arteta are half chances. Like you yeah. had the, was it the Smith Row when he gets the header, um, the header bounces down to well. him. Yeah, mm. the Rob Holding chance. I don't know how he misses that no. and it's gone in. The yeah, the Smith Row one where he, he basically dives too early and it goes past him. You you had the I think it was the when Abamian came on who looked quite sharp to be fair when he came yeah, on. He, he had a shot saved by Mendy. But apart from that, you can't really name any chances where we looked to the score. It was a, the Chelsea were comfortable. Well, as soon as they Very. went two 0 up, they were they were just like yeah, well we don't need to really try anymore. And you're, you're totally right. If it wasn't for Bernaleno, it could have finished 3-0 at least or 4. The Chelsea mm. missed big chances. I mean, Rhys James, again, he, he was fantastic on the day. Kai Havertz was as well. That Leno save from Lukaku was Madness. stunning. Yeah, I, I don't know how he saved that. I mean, we, we could criticise Leno, and we did last week for a lot of things about him, and, I, and uh, I've been critical of him, but the one thing he's not, he's never been bad at is his shot stopping and that was an incredible save but i mm. I, I just i just don't know where we go from here and i guess this is my 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 question to you is with arteta we've seen now this is his third season he's been backed and yep. and i obviously don't want to like i'm not arteta out i want him to turn it around as probably most arsenal fans want him to they want him to turn it around but when do we start to worry and think, oh, this is not working, we might need a change? When do you think that? Mm. 
Well, let me put it this way. So, from the team that was out yesterday, uh, yesterday, what am I talking about? Sunday. <laughs> um, if I was to tell you now that we were going to make a £50 million centre-back signing, we were going to make a £35 million other centre-back signing, we were going to add a £45 million central midfielder, we were going to add a £35 million attacking midfielder, we were going to add a £56 million striker, a £45 million striker to partner him, and we're going to add a backup goalkeeper for how much was it, £24 million. Yeah. Would you be excited? Oh, oh yeah, of course. Um... See, th- this, is, this is what I think is, is important about Arteta, I think. And I think there's probably a couple of questions there, but let's touch on it. So if you, if you kind of wanted to sack Arteta, there was two times to do it. It was at the end of that crazy run in December. Yeah. Right? If, if clearly it wasn't working. He managed to turn it around. Brilliant. We got Odegaard in. Um, we put Emil Smith-Rowe in the right position. Uh, we played him and it, it clicked and, it, and everything went really well. We came eight at the end of last season. There was a few disappointing results. VAR, the low-scoring games and tiny things going against us, as they do with goal-scoring games, as they did go for us as well. Um, if you're the board at the end of that season, you go, let's 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 get rid of him. Fine. You've made your decision. You, you can't really excuse it. You can be sad, um, you can debate it, but like for, for whatever, like for, the, 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 there's good enough reason to, right? Yeah. But they've gone, alrighty, we're going to give you the money. They've gone to spend the most out of anyone in the Premier League. And that doesn't automatically guarantee you success, by the way. I think a lot of people are going, well, you know, you've you've spent 150 million in the window and you got, yeah, but none of them have actually played yet, mate, <laughs> properly. No, well, Ben White played one game against Brentford, but. You know what I mean? Uh, to be fair, Lokongo has been great. We'll get on to that. But yeah, if you're going to, there's no point in sacking a manager you've like literally backed for 150 million quid. He can't play his players properly yet without seeing what he can do with the players you backed him with. Because this is the only time without, we've now got no excuses. We've now got the players he wanted. This is Arteta's team. For, for all of the good things about Arteta, he's not a manager that, clearly not a manager that can get the best out of a bad bunch. We know that now, right? He's now got his bunch. Those are his players, his signings. It's now up to him. And unfortunately, I don't think he's going to have as much time as if he got this last season um, because I think people are up against it. So I think that 10 games after the Man City game is what we need to see. And I'm going to be, I'm going to make a, a couple of predictions here, mate. You ready? <laughs> I think Arteta's, I don't know where we're going to come, but I think Arteta's going to last the season. I think it's going to be up and down. Um, I think he's going to turn things around. And as a little side note, I think Aubameyang is going to have an absolutely, I'm not going to say unreal season, but like as good as his last good season. So like the FA Cup winning season. And I'll tell you why, I think Aubameyang with fans back is a different kettle of fish. And the three technical players behind him, so Odegaard, Emil Smith-Rowe on the left, Saka on the right, it fits with Aubameyang up top. Yeah. It absolutely fits. With the fans back at the Emirates Stadium, I think we're going to have a good season at home. Now, that's when the players are back. I think we're going to struggle away because I think our back four, uh, and to be honest, kind of midfield is is like mentally weak. And I think we haven't really got like butch players that can just get out and head the ball and do no-nonsense stuff. Yeah. Um, for all Ben White's magic and technical ability to bring us forward and stuff, I think uh, he... I mean, he, he's, he's a quite weak in a back four, I think, from what I've seen, from what I've heard. Like, we all keep talking about his attack. But anyway, my point is, 
I think Arteta is going to turn it around with the players he's got to come back finally in the system that he wants to play. Erdegaard's going to make a big difference. Norwich, we're going to set down a marker. I think we're going to win the next two games after that. We've got Burnley, we've got uh, Spurs. Now I think we'll beat Spurs. Um, and I think we'll be up and down from there. But generally, I think we'll come sixth this season. And I know it's very difficult to see for many different reasons, but we kind of just, I know it's emotional and it's very difficult. But we just got to take back, take back, take a step back and just give ourselves a bit of context as to why this is happening. And we've got the weight of history of the last Arteta's couple of years and people's frustrations and all that sort of stuff. But it's not like we've got Emery's last days where we didn't know what was going on on the pitch. For all yeah. of Sunday's confusion, Arteta generally is quite it's quite obvious what he wants to do in a lot of ways, albeit quite boring at times. When he's got the right players, hopefully it can work. <laughs> you don't get a trophy for this, but third since December, right? <laughs> it, that was genuinely really good. A formational change, a personnel change, and it worked for him. And don't forget, like a couple of VAR terrible decisions later, which I can't even be asked to talk about today because there was a terrible, terrible, terrible VAR decision this weekend. Not that you can complain about that because it should have been five to Chelsea, but still, infuriating. We, um, we're talking he, about the, the Saka penalty. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so that's, those, those are my thoughts. What about you, mate? So I've just I've just pulled up the the fixtures, um, the fixture list. So we play West Brom tomorrow in Cup. That doesn't really count. Then we got City away, and then after that mm. we have Norwich at home, Burnley away, Tottenham so, at home. Gone. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say quickly. So, so I know I I did agree with you about the West Brom thing before. I didn't think it was relevant. I kind of think now it's like really important West Brom. I don't it, know why. I've got it, a feeling. It, yeah. It, it's important in terms of confidence, but for me, I would still, because this is, I understand because I, I think a lot of people are saying I'll go full strength for this game. But I mean, we still have City on Saturday and City don't play this week. We do. So we, we, we need to think about what we're going to do here. And, but like I'm sure players like Ramsdale will come in and Odegaard will come in as well. Maybe Lacazette will start, but I don't mm. think we should go full strength. I don't think like if Gabri- Gabriel's back, he's back in training. I don't think mm. Gabriel should start. If if Gabriel's going to return, it should be on Saturday. If maybe Gabriel can come on as a substitute. I don't think Tierney should start. I know Tierney only has cramp, but Tierney should be kept as far away from Birmingham as possible. Yeah, wrap him up in cotton wool. To get like, if we get knocked out by West Brom, it will be embarrassing. All the memes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the only thing that matters to me this season is the league and possibly yeah. an FA Cup run. We need to make progress in the league. We've won the the, the FA Cup the most out of anyone, and it, it's about progress in the league now. And though you are totally right, those ten games after the Man City will make or break Arteta, and and mm. I I agree with you. I I think the the focus this season, and I know some people are saying, "Oh, we should go for top four. We're not going to get top four. Top four's locked. Like mm. the four teams, the Chelsea, Man City, Man United, Liverpool, they're going to get top four unless one of them has an absolute horrendous season. Those teams are so much better than the rest. Yeah. We're competing with Leicester and Spurs, and then looking below us with Villa, 
Everton <laughs> and who's the other team? Leeds. Mm. So we need to keep up. We need to basically finish in the top six. That that's the aim for this season, and then use that European money. You use that back that stature back into Europe. Buy a striker next year because we're going to need one. Lacazette's mm. leaving, and then just go from there. Now, do I believe that Arsenal is going to turn around? Every week that goes by, I get more and more worried, and I don't know if it's just because. I've been looking on social media too much and everyone seems to be really negative about him. Mm. But yeah, I, I do get worried, but it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The 10 games after you might as well call I mean, on the Arsenal vision podcast, if you remember back in the day under Emery, mm. um, they called it, was it project 24? We might as well call it project 30 under mm. after the Man City game. How many points we're going to get after, after that Man City game. Um, that, that, that's <laughs> the important because uh, Arsenal will get top six. If they beat or if they win all their games, they should be winning. I know we've lost one against Brentford already, but if you win all those games that you should be winning, you will easily get top six. Easily. But Arsenal won't. And that's the thing. We need to, though. The away games are going to be the hardest. They really, really are. And and look, Arteta may last the season. He may get us to sixth. Um, I think Arteta has been brought in to change and give a structure and give a purpose to the team. like Because when Emery came in, I don't know if people point to like the win record, which is obviously really important. I like I didn't see where the hell we were going with you know, Emery. None of us had a clue what was going on. The players didn't. It was a mess. It was a real mess. Whilst Arteta's had to do some seriously, seriously dark, deep digging in this club to change a culture, which arguably has did start to change and we'll you know we're yet to see if if, if that is to keep progressing um but he gutted out that team in a you know some seriously testing times and the investments that they've made and the structure that arteta's now got around the kind of players that are coming in the investment in youth maybe even young and english everybody we've signed is below the age of 23 i believe so um you know it's it, it there's a clear strategy right so wherever he leaves us even if we're not performing, I would be very, very comfortable that Arteta's left the club in a very good position to bring in the next elite manager who could take it to the next level. And that, for all I will forever thank Arteta for, because I think he's really, we can debate the level of why he was promoted to team manager, but the influence he's got is to be able to in, in, implement that kind of structure. And um, look, he'll have an up and down season, Look, if he can get us a sixth and back into Europe, brilliant. And then maybe he doesn't have a great season next season and he ends up going, whatever. You know, the, the name Conte's been thrown around. Like I, I think we've got some really exciting young players who are only yeah. going to get better. They've been a gamble, I know. Um, but I think the squad would be in, a, in an exciting enough position for a good manager to, to take care of next. Yeah, the, the, I, I totally agree with with that. And the, I, I tweeted something earlier about this. Actually, we're basically at ground zero now. Arsenal are at ground zero, and this summer is the first summer where I've seen Arsenal be able to bring in players. And their clear strategy is: look, we know we are rubbish now. We are probably going to be rubbish this season as well, but. 
in three to four years, we might be really good. Let's bring in these players who will be good in three to four years and all be good together to build a really good side. What's also good about it is it doesn't depend on the manager at all. If Arteta's good, then he's obviously here. We're obviously doing well. But if Arteta's not good, the recruitment is not all tied to him. The recruitment can go to another coach who can use these young players and build a squad the way he wants. And that's why I like the recruitment this summer. I don't know who's responsible to it because I feel like if I give credit to Edu, I'm going to be chased off this platform and <laughs> because Edu is really not popular at the moment, but someone is someone's someone has done something right this summer. The recruitment has been exactly what I wanted. That it's not mm-hmm. a, it's not bringing William, bringing Socrates, Lichsteiner, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's fine young players. They are good now, but they could be great later. That's yeah. what we should be doing. And yes, we've overpaid for Ben White. We've overpaid for Aaron Ramsdale. We know that. But these could be players that you won't be remembering the fee. I mean, look at Luke Shaw. I think Man United overpaid for him when they bought him back in the day. I don't think anyone's complaining now. No, absolutely. I mean, the recruitment has been, you know, exceptional, to, to, to be honest. I mean, even Tavares was bought to, as a backup left back. It looked great. Um, he's big, he's strong, he's confident, um, wants to get on the ball, happy to attack, happy to defend. Um, through raw, but again, young talent. Uh, yeah. Sambi Lakonga looked absolutely what a signing. What a signing. I mean, he looked like the best one in the field there. Yeah. He looked great. You know, he's got a few things to guess positionally to work on, but again, that's hard to hard to really tell from such a small sample size when played against Chelsea and you know, he was asked to do a couple of jobs really, and he shouldn't have been. The formation was terrible. So um yeah, he looks great. Um, again, why uh, the, the jury's out? Again, we've over we've overprayed for him, but it looks like he's just going to improve hopefully, and he looks like an attacking player that's going to attacking defender, I should say that that could really really help us. Um, who else will we brought in? Uh, well, Ramsdale, um, Ramsdale. Um, you know, young goalkeeper. I mean, you could point to a lot of keepers like you know Edison, Allison. All of these players weren't even playing. I think Roma, uh, Alison was playing at Roma and was second to Chesney at, uh, yeah. when he was 23 and all that sort of stuff. It's just that it's just because we paid a lot of money for a young player. It reminds me of the Pickford signing, right? Pickford, yeah. Ed, Everton did exactly the same thing. He was playing for a terrible Sunderland side. They picked him out, made a few good saves. They held it out. It spawns him up and down, but he's England keeper and he's been brilliant for England and all that sort of stuff. So look, good things can happen. Um, we've got a couple of questions. Let's, let's, let's race through those just because um i know you're not feeling too great um <laughs> but it's been good to chat it out eh? um okay so firstly someone has said uh please give me the name of your podcast uh if you're listening it's the arsenal editor podcast and you've also found it anyway so um so uh there is one i wanted to say okay um wawenka and then two underscores has said, my concern is Arteta and his tactics. Once concede a goal, there's no comeback. Worrying. So just to support that, I did actually see a stat the other day, which through the magic of mismemory, I can't remember uh, the exact stat, but it basically said something like 16 games where we've been down at half-time under Arteta in the Premier League and we haven't come back and won once. Yeah. I think we've drawn two. 
I think we've drawn four and drawn lost four. 12. Right, okay, there you go. So that's, that's, that would I be for Yeah. Mm. I could find it, but, you know, I think that that, <laughs> that tends to cover the, the, the main bit. So, yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, it, it is really worrying. I mean, in general, when we go 1-0 down, we don't tend to go, come back regardless. I, I can't remember... I can remember two games off the top of my head under our setter where we've gone a goal down and then came back and won. And that was North London derby last season where Lamella scored that mm-hmm. goal of the century, whatever. And then they still ended <laughs> up losing. And the Southampton away game as well, which is, is a game that I remember because we actually played quite well in that game. And uh, Pepe played off the left, and we, it was a really fun game. But when we, because Arteta does work games by fine margins, and I, I agree with the question that I do worry about Arteta's tactics. When we do go a goal behind, it's not like we look like we're going to get a goal back. We rarely do. So it, it, the, the more likely outcome is we go 2 0 down. And th- that is a worry, and that is something. We- the only game, ironically, where we we came back where we were really battered was was the West Ham game three 0 wasn't it? And oh, yeah. that was was the Martin Odegaard um, showcase, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. God, where are these stats coming from? Because suddenly we've picked out three Premier League games where we've ever actually done it. So, <laughs> um, but it is a theme. It is a theme, isn't it? That was a good game. But uh, oh, we drew that one. Of course, we drew that one. Yeah, yeah. About. So it, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't count. Yeah, it felt like a win. Though. Um, already, uh, so and then so, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's worrying, and um, I it goes back to the thing I was saying about peppering the goal in the last five ten minutes when you're desperate, it just doesn't happen. We just go through yeah. the same process. Xhaka comes in, passes out wide to Tierney, we get it in, and then it goes back, and that's it. Um, so the perfect goal or, or nothing, we don't just get it in the box, and well, you know, we don't just <laughs> pour everything forward. So, already, um Last question uh, is, I thought this was a good one. Uh, okay, so Lewis underscore BQ says, what is uh, what is away problems? Is it players? I think he means, what is our away problem? Is it the players or the coach? Ooh, um, oh, that, I think it's... Uh, that's, I, think, I, okay. I think it's a bit of both. Go on, go on. But, yeah. Well, I think it's systemic. I... I really do. I, I don't think it's Arteta. I don't think it's the players, even though it's still both of them. We've been hiring, as we mentioned before, hiring, what we're talking about. You know, we've been buying in players. Yeah. yeah. Buying in players that just don't have that absolute, like, just kick it out, that experience. Just big, beefy players that are prepared to just, like, down, get down and dirty and just win the football match. Just, they aren't. They are good technical players. We've seen before. Ben White is the absolutely epitome of it he's a good player can he just get up and head the ball ironically David Luiz is probably one of the best at it he was experienced he won a Champions League he was big he could head the ball you know you just had to pay for it with a few slipped few red cards and a few slips every 10 games that would cost you a couple of points but annoyingly if you didn't have that you would have been great um so that's what I think about that anyway um so anything to add to that do you reckon Uh, no I think I think you covered it quite well actually 
Nice. I think our connection dropped out over there. So I don't know if you actually heard what I said, but <laughs> uh, it, it, it definitely did. So I'm just going to say that you you came up with really good points. Uh, okay. As far as you know, that was actually the best thing I've ever said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. On this podcast. Um, alrighty. Uh, well, look. I know you're not feeling too great, and um, I've actually got a work call in a minute. <laughs> Lol. So I'll jump on that. But uh, we'll finish with man of the match and, and dick of the day. Go on then. Who's your man of the match? So Sambi Lukonga gets my man match. It's just so fun to watch. I, I know obviously it's very difficult to because the performance wasn't good, but Sambi was, was at least a bright spark and at least something to be promised about. He just has that. He has a real good dribbling vibe about him. He he, he looks really technically assured in midfield. I, I, uh, I stand by what I said last week. I still think he needs to bulk up a bit, but that will come with years in the gym. And because uh, I remember Ozil joining in, uh, and then the season after he bulked up a bit. So that will come. But he looks very silky and smooth in midfield. And when Partey comes back, he has to be his partner. It can't be Xhaka. It, I, I mean, I've had enough of Xhaka. I know he's extended his contract, but I've just had enough of him personally. Yeah, I'm. It, I mean, Shaka, we could <laughs> we could go in for another hour on this. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Pff, look, good leader in the dressing room. Let's keep him in the dressing room. Maybe bring him out, wheel him out when we have to, just to be down. He's he is one. He's probably only down and dirty player we've got, but he, we misuse him sometimes, and he's actually not that good at defending. Anyway, all that sort of stuff. Um, good player to have in the squad, but the double pivot excites me to hell for Sambi and uh, Party to actually you, you see them in midfield. So. Uh, Sam be my man of the match as well. Um, for obvious reasons, you've covered everything. I don't need to add. Who's your dick of the day? So I'm going to give it to the referee, Paul Tierney. I thought he was awful on the day. Now, Arsenal mm. awful on the day, but I thought he was pretty bad as well. Don't know mm. how he doesn't give the, the penalty against Saka. It was a clear penalty. Don't know how VAR didn't see it as well, but that's, again, another discussion. Mm. I thought he was pretty lenient towards Chelsea's fouls and pretty strict against Arsenal's he gave me, like I think Chelsea didn't pick up a book in in the game and really? where, uh, oh I, I don't I, I don't think so anyway not that I can remember That's but fair. I remember Arsenal picking up like three bookings mm. the whole game so it, it was it was pretty bad for, from him and I and when the crowd start like when we get a decision and start jeering him you know the referees had a bad game so yes. yeah he's my dick of the day yeah, it was terrible. I mean, I, look, I, I think just to be clear, he wasn't the reason we lost, but it was just anything can happen. You know, that a stonewall penalty doesn't yeah. get given. You know, it's suddenly if he scores that, it's 2-1. Different game. But not not to say we'd have won. It just gives us a slightly different <laughs> um, outlook on it. Yeah, um, I mean, he was. Uh, I, I've got a different one. Um, I, I tend to try not to give it to the referees or Arsenal players generally because i feel a bit like you know it's, i feel a bit damning on it and i sound a bit whiny so i'm going to go for the arsenal kit man um <laughs> because or it might not you know what i'm going to say don't you because it might yeah, not yeah. even be it might not even be the kit man it might have been the adidas designers but for whatever reason leno was wearing the away kit now that might well be like <laughs> that might well be it's the one you're wearing now it yeah. might well be the goalkeeper <laughs> kit but if it is the goalkeeper kit that's just lazy what are they doing? It's actually, I found this out a couple of months ago and I didn't think we would actually use it, but it's actually down as our third goalkeeper alternative. So we have three oh. goalkeeper kits. So we have the green one, the orange one, 
and then the, the shirt I'm wearing now, the away kit. So, Hilarious. yeah, so it, it was funny, but I really don't want to see us wear because we wore it last season, didn't we, with Leno as well, the white kit. Yeah. And he, he looked stupid there, didn't he? Nah, I'm not having stupid. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not having, not having it. So, not yeah. having it. Uh, it's, just, it's just weird, and we lost both games, so stop doing it. Yeah, uh, get out. Get out. Whoever's in charge of that, get out. Um, yeah. Alrighty, look, let's leave it there. Um, we've got Must Brom tomorrow, which I'm nervous about, but we need to get out of the way and win. And then let's just get through Man City. There'll be a podcast next week, I think. I'm gonna actually gonna be in Spain, a lucky boy. But um, nice. we'll bring it to you. We'll bring it to you somehow. Um, it will happen. So we'll, we'll we'll figure it out. And then we've got Norwich. And uh, oh, brace yourselves for memes and bullying, guys. It's it's gonna happen. Um, ride it out. Let's just go beat Norwich. <laughs> um, cheers, Matt. Thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, mate. All right. Have a good week, all. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.